warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. To they call this a movie testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time subscribe to the podcast on itunes and other podcast services by searching they call this a movie if you're part of the main Damey network and to find more from us check out the website at themaindamey.com or on twitter facebook and instagram at the main Damey. we are also now proud member of geek vibes nation you can find them at gvnation.com welcome back to they call this movie this is anthony lavecchio with me as always is dan aquino and mark meyer say hello gentlemen hey everyone how's it going yeah great feeling great <laughs> okay perfect <laughs> We know what that's about, Mark, <laughs> but just remember that we're not friends with everyone who listens, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not in on it. <laughs> it's week three for our 31 Days of Horror episodes of They Call This a Movie, but before we get into the movie that we watched this week, fellas, what have you watched? Oh, shit. You know what? I totally forgot that we do this, but I, <laughs> I've watched a bunch of movies. Jen and I went on a Rob Zombie kind of kick okay we watched house of a thousand corpses yeah. terrible we watched the devil's rejects better we watched halloween the uh, rob zombie remake which is not better than the original halloween movie mm. juan if you're listening and then we watched francis ford coppola's dracula mm-hmm. which i think i asked you about this yesterday and because i i respect your opinion as a film critic mm-hmm Every time I would watch Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I know I watched it, but it would never register in my mind that I watched it. Right. It's almost like every time I see it, I'm seeing it for the first time. But I enjoyed it overall. It tries to follow the book to a T, but it's not 100%. What did you think of it, if you remember it at all? It's been a really long time. I think I remember it being okay. Mm-hmm. Like Gary Oldman's look is like the most memorable thing. Not even so much his performance, just how they designed and shaped his character is like the most memorable. But I don't really remember too much of it. It's probably something that is worth a rewatch at this point in my life. But I haven't seen it probably since I was a teen or ager. It's really not that long. It feels longer than it is. It's only, I think it's an hour 45, but it feels like the two hours-ish. Mm. But it's got good set pieces. Everyone does remember Oldman's look as Dracula, mm-hmm. which is a little silly. But it's got some pretty creepy set pieces. It's got some pretty creepy scenes. I know everyone loves Keanu right now, but this was for kids who don't know. This is when Keanu was kind of considered a joke. Yeah. And he he's trying really hard to act serious, but it's not good. I think that's pretty much it at the moment. We're trying to just like blast through a bunch of horror movies just okay. to numb the pain of life. <laughs> what about you, Mark? I actually have one this week. Um, I actually watched for the first time in a while. I watched the Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> if I had a million guesses, I would never would have. Could you say that one more time? 
I watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Did you say for the first time? No, no, in a long oh, time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say, what happened I, to you? Who hurt you as a kid? <laughs> that I didn't watch that movie? Yeah. So the main reason I watched it was give a I listened to another podcast called Blank Check and they're going through all of um what's name Zemeckis's films and they got to this one and they were talking about it and going through it and I was like I don't know if I remember as much of this movie as I thought I did so I went back and watched it and yeah it still holds up I don't know how much of the wow factor would work for kids nowadays just because of the they don't haven't grown up on those cartoons. Sure. So, you know, seeing the fact of Mickey and Bugs on the screen at the same time does, won't have the same impact as it had on me as a child, you know, and all the other things like Dumbo at the window in the beginning. And it was a marvel thinking back to how that movie still looks and what they had to do to make it look that way back then. And the fact that Bob Hoskins just basically probably acted with no one for weeks at a time. Mm hmm. In terms of ambition and ability to pull something almost impossible off, it's probably Zemeckis' greatest achievement in that, because I don't know who else would have been able to do it at that time as a director. Just watching that after hearing some of the stories, I'll recommend after you're done listening to this podcast, go check out theirs. It's much longer, and they go really deep into it on there. But just all the things they had to do is like, I you probably know this, but I didn't know it, Ant, that... They had to trade the rights for double indemnity or something to be able to use certain characters in this movie. It was like to get the cartoon characters in there to make deals and stuff like that. They had to trade that stuff. And at the Donald and Daffy scene, they had it like scripted down to they had to say the same exact words, had to be on screen for the same exact amount of time. I, I do remember that. And neither of them could like win the battle. Right. That's so. the best part, like, because it was like egos are still at play there, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, well, their their character is not better than our character, so. But that was like the original crossover that everyone wanted. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I came away curious about, and I said at the top, is I don't know if this is a movie you can sit a kid in front of now and they'll get it or like it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll like Roger, but they're not going to get the whole, you know, all the other characters popping up or the... You know, the Acme stuff and all that. So it's an interesting thing. I turned that on right after listening to that podcast. So I was glad to actually contribute a movie and not just go, hey, I've been watching dumb internet videos all week. <laughs> I do want to clarify one thing you said. After you listen to this podcast, you go listen to Game Vault Pod. Yeah. And you go listen to Stranger Damies. Then you go back to our back catalog and listen to everything else we've <laughs> right. ever done. Right. And then maybe check out Blank Check. Okay. So. All right. We, we are a wealth of yeah. movie knowledge here, Mark. Yeah. All right. We are numero uno. We could talk about Roger Rabbit, too. We just choose not to. Right. Yeah, we could do prep work, <laughs> goddammit. Right? Well, it's just not the month of Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And it's also a good movie, so... You know. Right, we're not going to shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I am still doing my 31 Days of Horror. Uh, so if you go to themaindamie.com, you can see all the movies that I've watched this week. Except for, there is one that I watched that I didn't do a review because I've seen it a thousand times or you know, a handful of times. I watched Sleepy Hollow with my wife, who had never seen it before. So we decided to put that on. She's not super into horror movies, so that felt like a good kind of Did Johnny uh, Depp compromise. The Johnny Depp Sleepy Hollow yeah, one. That's a good one. It's yeah. also, it's a little creepy because Christina Ricci's like maybe 18. <laughs> yeah, and he's definitely in his 30s. He's like, I think he's a young 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but he's definitely not 18. <laughs> no. No, and he's not even 21. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I get, you know, it's a different time period where, you know. Oh, totally. In like in the 1790s or whatever it is, I think it might right. be like 1799 in that movie. It's 100% something that would happen. Yeah. And Depp is probably, his character, uh, Ichabod is probably three years from death anyway. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, and she, and she's she's young enough. She's you know you gotta go when you gotta go. So, but I <laughs> um, like that movie. I think that's a very underrated. I think so. Tim Burton movie. I'm not a big Tim Burton fan, but I I like that movie. Yeah. I think and he's a little was, overrated. This was before the Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, uh, she's not in it surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. That's I kept waiting for her because I watched that maybe a week or so ago. I kept waiting for her name to roll in with the yeah. credits. And Helena Bottom Carter, where is she? <laughs> now this is actually the uh, the Lisa Marie years. That's right. So, yes. which which was a little complicated. The fact that it, she's playing Ichabod's mom and his memories, and it's just like ninety percent cleavage. Yep. <laughs> it's like, man, this movie really wants me to want to fuck Ichabod's mom. I I told Jen, I'm like, oh, Ichabod has a milf. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of takes the legend and turns it on its head a little bit. Not yeah. not too much. That's another movie with great set pieces. Yeah. Like the village is really creepy of Sleepy Hollow. The woods. And they have like the bright red blood, which really stands out. It's almost like a Friday the 13th kind of blood. Yeah. Like the cartoonishly red. Mm-hmm. It was good. I think that's a very underrated movie. Yeah, I liked it. Otherwise... I also watched House of a Thousand Corpses, which my first time watch. Hated it. Didn't hate Devil's Re- I like Devil's Rejects for what it is. Mm-hmm. House of a Thousand Corpses is one of the most obnoxious movies I've ever seen. I remember watching that with a friend, and we were like so excited to see it because everyone kept raving about how like scary it was and how bloody it was, and it was just like so boring. Yeah. Because it was just like, look how look how like crazy I am. Look how bloody everything is. I'm like yeah, but. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not imaginative enough. Nope. Like Sid Haig is cool. I like Sid Haig. He's always a delight. I know you were you were telling us before that at least we got to see Chris Hardwick die. Which <laughs> yeah. is fun. There was someone else in that movie that was kind of big, right? Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. That's right. Yeah. Not as fun to see him die, but no. still fun, I guess. Yeah. Other movies I watched this week was Witchboard from 1986, Haunt from 2019, which is really good. It's a Shutter original. Yep. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Fade to Black, which is a weird movie from the 80s starring Dennis Christopher as a guy that's obsessed with old Hollywood. And those are the reviews I have thus far. I've also watched... Death Metal Zombies, which I don't even want to do a review of because it feels like I it's it feels like it's a movie that people made for their friends that somehow accidentally wound up on Amazon Prime. <laughs> what was it you were saying? It's uh, it tells you to to listen with the speakers all the way up. Yeah. Like man, that that does sound metal, but it's yeah. just that you can barely hear anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's shot on VHS. Ugh. It's people that have never acted before, so it definitely feels like oh. What's this? What's this random ass video we found here in this in this abandoned warehouse? Let's just digitize it and put it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that that and and we can't get a deal. Come on, what <laughs> is favorite, going on here? My favorite part is it ends with it as a tribute to Kurt Cobain. Ugh. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Dedicated is... to the memory of Kurt Cobain. Yep. And then also I watched Girl House, which is as sleazy as you think it is, but it is a horror movie, not a porn. Uh, <laughs> I promise. And what's the last movie I watched? Uh, I can't remember what the last one. So I guess it wasn't important. So that's it. I'm rolling Didn't right around. Your fancy. Yeah. 
I'm sure I'll remember after the podcast. Right. I got to write a, re- a review for it eventually. You're doing the Lord's work, man, watching a lot of shitty horror movies. Yeah. I try and watch good ones. <laughs> it just I feel happen. like you don't. Because a lot of the years, we just come across really bad ones. So the whole thing with 31 Days of Horror is I'm specifically watching horror movies that I haven't seen before right? to write reviews of. So I knocked out Rosemary's Baby, which was one like kind of one that I hadn't seen before a few years ago, which was like one that I should have. But there's really not many more that I haven't seen that I should have. There's probably some that, but they don't wind up on these streaming services. So that's really... Where so I'm stuck with the Amazon Prime wealth of shit that they have. I was gonna say, you know what's pretty interesting? If you go back and listen to our previous episodes when we do the what have you watched? Everyone will kind of have like maybe one or two movies that they've watched. With Halloween in October, it's movie after movie after movie after movie. (laughs) It's like I watched this, I watched this, I watched this. I mean, I watched The Lighthouse. I I forgot to say I, I watched The Lighthouse. I also watched Haunt. So that's how it's going to be for this whole month. I watched yeah. 10 movies in and a matter like, of a week. Right right around October 22nd or so, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've it, run it out feels, of things it, to watch. It really feels like if I have free time and I'm not watching a horror movie, then, it's, then I'm wasting it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I could have knocked out another one. So we haven't gotten there yet. Yep. But it's close. Check back <laughs> next week. <laughs> but this week, for 31 Days of Horror and they called this a movie... I picked a movie that I had seen before once again. It was my week again. And I picked the weird Spanish horror slasher flick known as Pieces from 1982. I'm going to just ask you guys, where are you coming from with Pieces? Man, where am I coming from? Never heard of it. It looked, just from the cover art, it looked really like grindhouse-y. I I was digging the feeling of it, but it, it really doesn't, I don't know. I didn't know what to think of it. I never heard of it. It didn't look that great, but it, it's right up my alley after watching it. I think it's like like an uncovered gem, pretty much. It's campy. It's kind of gory. It's def- It doesn't lack blood. It doesn't lack boobs. And it doesn't lack hilarity. You, you check off all those boxes, you have kind of a cult classic in the making. Sure. What about you, Mark? Yeah, so obviously with most of these, I've never heard of this before. I'm probably more in the middle between not liking it and loving it as much as Ant's going to love it when he talks about it. But I think it's just because my sensibilities with these horror movies is completely different than where both of you come from. I think I enjoy more talking about this movie with you guys than I actually enjoyed watching it, if that makes sense. Like, while I was watching it, it was more like, okay, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, but not anything... Like last week, I actually, I enjoyed Pumpkinhead as I was watching it. This one, like I said, I had no idea I was getting into. Sometimes with these, it's always hit or miss with me with these low quality, grindhousey type films. And, and this one was like, okay, I, I didn't hate my time watching it, but I surely had more fun thinking about it in the pre-podcast conversations we had than at any point during the movie. So maybe it's just one of those movies. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I love this movie. It's so stupid, man. It's so sleazy. And as you guys mentioned, grindhousey. Oh my god, I love it so much. <laughs> the, like, <laughs> like just the blood is so over the top. The the sex is so over the top. This is a gem that I uncovered while doing 31 Days of Horror a couple of years ago. I think I've wanted to do this movie a 
for a couple of years during Halloween for this for the show. I think last year it was like I think we did a poll one for like the, the last month and I was like really campaigning hard for people to vote for this. And obviously no <laughs> one's ever heard of it, so no one's gonna vote for it. So now I got my chance to wa- talk about this. Yeah, I love it. you cowards. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you, I said. Th- that's your go-to if <laughs> if it's something you really want. Choose this, you cowards. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so weird. The whole story of this guy running amok on a college campus with a chainsaw and then them asking the biggest coos hound on campus to help them solve the crime. And then there's some idea of they need to infiltrate the faculty so they hire a tennis pro. She's a tennis pro slash police officer. Yeah. What like, this isn't her first time she's done this? Yeah, there's definitely a slash in there. Yeah, but <laughs> how often does that happen, right? Ex-pro athlete becomes... Well, no, not ex. She's oh, no, a I thought tennis that... player. It's she, it, she does so this she on was the side. still a, a pro tennis player. As far as we know. I mean, you couldn't tell by how she plays. No. Yeah, <laughs> see, I thought it, she was, like, retired or... No, because she says, what do you, he goes, what are you doing here? And she goes, well, this pays the bills or something, she says. Like, that tennis effect. doesn't? Well, Back not then, for a maybe woman. Not, I guess not know. 1982. Not for a woman either. Yeah. <laughs> well, when was uh, Arthur Ashe, right? Not Arthur Ashe. Billie Jean King. <laughs> Billie Jean King, yes. I was thinking, <laughs> listen where I'm coming from, because they both have stadiums in New York, all right? So, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you gain from that the police officer that's helping infiltrate the campus is also, like, a tennis star? Like, what? Like... Could have made them anything. Yeah. It's like, why is <laughs> why is it just like, oh, it's your new meet your new history teacher. This person no one's ever heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, I I like to think that when they were filming on location, the director or the director of photography saw some tennis courts that were there. <laughs> like, well, now we have to use these. Yeah. So <laughs> you're a tennis star now. It's like, I've never played tennis before in my life. We'll edit around that. No one will know. (laughs) You have a week to learn. We fucking know. Do we have to use the (laughs) whole court in this tennis match? (laughs) It's it's probably one of the best scenes in the movie when she's playing tennis. And I think there's maybe four or five steps taken between the two people playing. (laughs) (laughs) They're just, they're statues just hitting the ball back and forth. It's like that Seinfeld episode with Milos. Milos. Yeah. It's just like terrible tennis. <laughs> when she goes up 40 to 15 in that match, <laughs> just like the weak attempt by the girl to try and hit it is oh. just so fucking funny to me. But yeah, again, it's like Jerry. Like, oh, you got me. <laughs> Another game for Milos. <laughs> he plays like baby. <laughs> He's not mad like Milos. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great <laughs> tennis. It's really how like any of us would play tennis, essentially. <laughs> I'd like to think we would put a little effort into it. Yeah, I'm slightly better than she is at tennis, <laughs> from what I could tell. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, we would at least look like we're trying. They're just kind of just smacking the ball around. <laughs> so, Pieces, in 1982, was directed by Juan Piquer Simone, also known as J.P. Simon, for the U.S. release stars Christopher George and Linda Day George, husband and wife team. Frank Brana, Edmund Perdome, Ian Sarah, Paul L. Smith, Jack Taylor. An IMDb score of 6.2 and a Rotten Tomato score of 46%. 
Budget $300,000 with a box office of $2 million. This movie, as we've already discussed, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> the maintenance guy in this movie we, we have to talk about. Oh, God. Just how suspicious he is that, in every scene he is. Who that, was that, played by Bluto from the live-action Popeye. That's right. I think that's Paul L. Smith, if I'm not mistaken. That budget seems a little high. $300,000. I think they used it for a lot of, I want to say practical effects. Yeah. Listen, man, I think when you, when you get co-eds and chainsaws and you put them together, you have gold. Mm -hmm. You really do. And they didn't drop the ball on it where a lot of times like they might cut away and you just see like blood splatter against the wall. You see in gory detail, a lot of killings. Oh yeah. That's perfect. And I don't know if maybe that's because of the director, you know, not being an American director. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you you would see even in, you know, Friday the 13th where, you know, Tom Savini does all these great prosthetic works and practical effects, but they cut away. So you don't really get to see a lot of it here. It's great. I was very pleased with like how they took advantage of it. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the version we see, the one that's on, I believe, Shutter is where we watched it, is yeah. the uncut version. Oh, so maybe so, in American yeah. theaters they did. The girl in the bathhouse gets it real good. She does. <laughs> yeah. The one that gets chopped in half. Oh, yeah. It's so good, man. I, and you see the entrails. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's horror, baby. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is like the... The sleaziest movie I think we've ever done on on this show in terms of horror. You say sleazy, but it's not it's not like a a snuff film. You know what I'm saying? No. And no. it's not overly gratuitous to the right. for just being obnoxious, I guess. Like House of a Thousand Corpses. Right. Or what was um Hostel. Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah. It's a tight story. the The characters are stupid. It makes yeah. no sense sometimes, but it gets you from A to B, and it makes sense. Yep. I think part of part of how it just it doesn't hit those those same notes is just because of how cartoonish it is, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the violence. So it does kind of help that from going too far. Yeah. And not being able to stomach it. I would have loved to have Tom on this episode. I would love to see how <laughs> he reacted to this movie. He would have ducked out after the first two to three minutes of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Because it starts with a bang, man. <laughs> I love how there's not, like, a lot of things don't make sense in this movie, too. Like, why does that one girl on the skateboard crash through a mirror? Yeah, wow. Never gets brought up ever again. I love those police officers that really don't want to do their job in the beginning. (laughs) I guess you gotta search the house. (laughs) And if we're being honest, the person in the beginning should not be where they are at the end, right? Explain. Okay. It's spoilers. So the kid in the beginning turns out to be the dean. The dean. Right. Was there no background checks then in 1982? Right. I mean, (laughs) apparently it was just in one file that Kendall found. Right. So that would have come up at one point or another, right? You would think. Right. So are you going to hire a homicidal maniac Mm -hmm. who butchered his own mother to be the dean? Did they ever say that they thought he killed the mother and not just someone killed the mother while he was hiding or something? No, they never do, because even at the end, the cop who who makes the call to the other station, he says that he witnessed his mom get 
slaughtered oh, and must have, must have screwed up his head is how how he puts puts it all together. Oh, okay. So he was never convicted or anything. Nope. So that makes more sense then. I, for some reason, I thought that they figured out that he had done it. No, they never. Yeah. Gotcha. This, so that makes more sense. But but I'd also put into question why a man that grew up in the Boston area has a British accent throughout the entire movie. Oh, they never yeah. explained that. Nope. Yeah, and also um, why I didn't realize that it was Boston. Maybe I got it too late until the end when they mentioned like something about it being the Boston area or something. Is that the first time they explicitly say where it is? There, it, there's a title card in the beginning of the movie that I says Boston, that. 1943. Yeah. But right. yes. most of this movie was shot in Spain, so maybe yeah. that's the reason why you didn't realize it. I think they took some archival footage of another movie shot by the studio that took also took place in Boston. So they never actually shot in Boston. But yeah, and also like the amount of people that it could possibly be, because as the audience, we we see that first scene. So, you know, having watched a movie before, you know that that first scene is going to play a role in who the killer is. So the killer is probably that little boy. Right. There, It could only be three people, right? <laughs> yeah, I get right. It's it could be the, the dean, the professor, right. or the maintenance guy. And they play it way too obvious for it to be the janitor. Yeah, because it can't be Kendall, because Kendall wasn't alive in 1943. <laughs> That's right. I love how shifty the janitor is every like the way he everything. looks around yeah he's got he's, that he's, like one crook eye yeah <laughs> and everything everything someone says to him he's got like a menacing kind of stare and then he says his line right yeah like Wait he here. definitely has something to hide like, oh i thought you're the guy who does the uh you know you do all the sound checks and gives that look like oh shit Not i'm caught me, lady yeah, that ain't me that was never me like oh all right relax <laughs> these aren't my keys you're right Right, that's a moment where I think it was supposed to be, wait a minute, these aren't my keys. But it was like, these aren't my keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he doesn't give a good line delivery. He, he sounds angry. the shit out of the cops. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he was like the Hulk, just like tossing people. Just throwing them off. Yeah, it's that's not a good way to uh, show you're innocent. <laughs> just, just throwing cops I'm off. innocent. Right. Can't pin this on me. Rah, throwing guys into the pool. <laughs> you guys want to get into the plot? Sure. Yep. All right, Dan, what do you got for us? All right, so every week I like to talk about our good friend Tia. She uh, has her own podcast called The Top Ten with Tia. It is on Geek Vibes Nation. Tia and her friends get together and they talk about top ten lists, so... Top 10 horror movies, top 10 actors, directors, whatever. They run the gamut of top 10 lists. Uh, like I said, she's a good friend of ours. You can follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. Uh, give her a follow. And yeah, that's about it. Go check her out. I believe it airs every Sunday. Okay. And we are going to take a break. But before we do, we're going to take a minute to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation.
Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly. The show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribed to the best little horror house in Philly, and I'll see you boils and ghouls over there. And welcome back, and now it's time to get to the plot of Pieces. We open Boston, 1942. A young boy, maybe about seven or so, is sitting in his room putting together a jigsaw puzzle. His mom walks into the room and looks over his shoulder and sees that the jigsaw puzzle is a picture of a naked woman. Where this kid got this puzzle from, I have no idea. So the mom freaks out, smashes a mirror, and tells him that she'll kill him if she ever saw any filth like this ever again. So she tells him to go get a bag, and she's going to burn everything of his, including the puzzle, and she finds some like pornos in his, in his uh, drawers and whatever. Instead, rather than getting a bag, he runs off and comes back with a fire axe and just smashes her right in the fucking skull with it. <laughs> It would, it would have been the great. weapon I was expecting. Right, it, it would have been great if she turned around like, "That's not a garbage bag." <laughs> just totally clueless. What were you expecting, Mark? Well, obviously from the poster, I thought it was going to be a chainsaw. Oh, but, that, that um, would have been hilarious—a seven-year-old <laughs> operating a chainsaw. Yeah. But yeah, fire axe might have been the last thing. Maybe a baseball bat or something. Gotcha. So a woman comes to the door and starts ringing the bell, but there's no answer. And meanwhile, the kid starts sawing at his mother's body. Eventually, the cops show up at the door and break it down. The kid hides in the closet. So when the cops come in and see the body body and blood all over the room, they open the door and see the mother's decapitated head in one closet, then find the kid in another closet crying out for his mother. So the woman, who I guess is a housekeeper, says she'll take the kid to his aunt's, and then credits. This is like what I said earlier. This was probably the worst of the ADR lines, was these cops, I believe. Or maybe it was just bad sync, but they just... They look bad when they were like, oh, let's do this. And then turned and pulled the closet door. At this point in the movie, I was like, oh, is this going to be one of those, like, what was that? Was it Endgame was that movie we watched that was, like, dubbed over because it was foreign language actors? In yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, oh, is this going to be like, like that through this movie? But thankfully, I think it only happens again one more time. Yeah. But so yeah. it is, it is a, a Spanish-produced film. It, it was shot in Madrid. But the principal cast is more or less American. Which really makes it better, in my opinion. I, I love having the bad dubbing in <laughs> movies. For some reason, it just adds to it. I, I can't pinpoint why. It's just, it's so hokey. Yeah. So we come out of the credits 40 years later, and an unseen figure is takes out a box out of a dresser and opens it, revealing a pair of bloody shoes and the same dress that his mother was wearing in the previous scene. And her headshot, I suppose. We then get some upbeat music as a young woman rides a skateboard around campus and then into a giant mirror. And this has nothing to do with anything. And we cut back to the unseen figure finding the same puzzle and starts putting it together. We cut back to the campus where a girl studies on the quad. The groundskeeper is nearby using a chainsaw. She asks him to knock off the racket and he says, oh, he'll just be a minute. He then comes over and lops off her head with said chainsaw. He wasn't lying. <laughs> I'll only be a minute. <laughs> At this point before I realized what uh, he had in his hand. I thought it was going to be one of those like late 70s, early 80s movies where it's like, oh, he has a leaf blower. Ooh, oh, no. Skirt went up. Ooh, that would have been yeah. good. <laughs> you know, scene. Um, also unexpected. But yeah, the uh, the chainsaw was much funnier to me. It's yeah. like, oh, I'll be done. This. So, 
<laughs> yeah. in broad daylight. <laughs> yeah. That is one thing about this movie is that the chainsaw is the least stealthy of weapons you could use, especially when you're trying to get around on campus with one. There's a scene when he's in he's getting on an elevator <laughs> and he he has the chainsaw with him. It's and not he tries even to under hide it. Yeah. But he doesn't even go to hide it under the trench coat. No. He just kind of puts it behind him. Like, don't pay attention to what's behind my back. It's totally normal. It's an and, enormous chainsaw, right. too. And, and the woman on the elevator doesn't even, like, acknowledges him. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's you. And doesn't point, what are you doing with that gigantic goddamn chainsaw? Yeah. It, yeah, especially especially after the reveal that we know it's the Dean. Like, well, what is the Dean doing with a chainsaw in this in this room? Right at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> also, like you said, it's the least stealthy weapon, right? <laughs> and with an axe, at least you can kind of put it behind your back, and you you know it doesn't jut out of yeah. either side. And he but, abandoned yeah. he abandons the chainsaw too at some point. So it's like, well, what if it's not your mo? Then well, then why bother? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like eventually, he just starts stabbing people. Right. I mean, you have the machete with Jason, mm-hmm. the claws with Freddy, the steak knife with Michael Myers, right? Those yeah. are the quintessential murder weapons. If you abandon your weapon of choice, it's all for yeah. naught, really. Yeah. Criminal pathologists are just like useless in this situation. <laughs> right. Oh, what is he? He's changing up. We don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I get their, their rental at Home Depot is up. Like, yeah. oh, we only got it for 72 hours. We got to bring it back or it's an extra like five bucks an hour. <laughs> Before we kind of went on this tangent, we were talking about two scenes. One of a, a girl on roller skates, roller skating through a gla- a mirror that doesn't have anything to do with it. And then the girl getting decapitated. But I just did want to point it out because we were talking about it off podcast. There's a, a bit of trivia. The roller skating girl who crashes into a mirror and Virginia Palmer, the co-ed who is decapitated. So these are two scenes back to back. Decapitated by the chainsaw are in fact the same person. In an interview with the actress, she explains that her character skates through the mirror but survives with apparently no visible injuries. The scene is witnessed by the Dean who gets the idea to create a perfect woman using pieces from other women. He then stalks and kills the roller skater Palmer, making her his first victim at the college. This scenario was not explained in the movie. So I just wanted to put that out there just because in the movie, the roller skating girl has no, it makes no sense that that girl even exists in this movie, but apparently it's the same girl that gets decapitated moments later. And to me, just the fact that she rollerblades or she skateboards through the the pane of glass mm-hmm. and not a scratch on her. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> she had all kinds of time to stop too. Oh yeah. And also, is that not the setup for a comedy movie? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is that not one of, that's not comedy uh, 101. That's something in like in a Laurel and Hardy movie. Yeah. Like right? all these two guys walking around a pane of glass. Right. Uh, I really hope nothing happens to this class. Either, this is our only one. Either either a comedy or a meet cute. Right. Some, yeah, something along those lines, but not for, you know, that, that's a, a perfectly <laughs> wasted scene. A meet cute? Like, what is the meet cute? Like, one of the guys that's run, walking around with that pane of glass has to go see the girl in the hospital after she's cut <laughs> her ribbons? Or someone, <laughs> tack- or, some, or someone tackles her right before she hits it. Or she veers out of the way and yeah, then saves rams her. into a yeah. fruit cart. <laughs> Their yeah. meat cute is him applying pressure to her wounds. <laughs> You're losing I think you a got lot an artery. <laughs> Stay with me. Oh good dear God, there's so much blood. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> I 
told you we shouldn't have been moving this pane glass out. It is a point in Wayne's World too, right? Yes. Our job sure. is to move this pane of glass across the street for no reason. Yeah, just back and forth. We go back and forth. <laughs> I would love to see that meet cute. <laughs> I think yeah, she's just got like lacerations all over her body. Like, you know, I bet she's pretty hot if she's not cut to shreds. I'm gonna have to follow this up when she gets out of the hospital. Wait for those wounds to heal. Yeah. Give it a few months. <laughs> so then Lieutenant Bracken and Sergeant Holden arrive at the campus and walk into a meeting with the dean. In the halls, a group of college kids smoke weed and hassle their professor. One of the girls asks him where her pectorals are, and then she sticks her tits right in his face. <laughs> so the professor, very professional about telling her where the pectorals are, and then that's the end of that scene. He just gets hassled by kids. and everybody For no else. reason. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to do a little bit more of a backstory with him or maybe make you think that he's the killer. Yeah. They wanted to make you think that he was kind of awkward and around people and women specifically. Right. And that, you know, he's constantly being bullied. So this is his revenge. Yeah. And that was my first inclination. But then I was like, well, I don't, you know, I feel like that's a little too on the nose. Mm-hmm. But... He's the red herring, as you they would call it. Good point. Yeah. So the professor goes to the dean's office and he speaks with the dean's secretary. She mentions the gardener found the girl's body, but they haven't found the head yet. The dean then asks for Professor Brown to come in and he, he goes in. So the dean tells Professor Brown that the cops have some questions for him regarding the dead girl as she was a student of his. Because he's the anatomy professor, so he might have some insight into the, that matter as well. So Professor Brown says he's too busy. And the dean tells him that he's not, and then he dismisses the cops and the professor from his office. The police accompany Professor Brown into his classroom, and they have a quick chat. The cop's saying that it might be one of the male students on campus, but ultimately they need to see the coroner's report first. So the dean talks to Willard, the maintenance guy, who's cutting trees down with a chainsaw. They have a conversation about how long before he's finished, and he says when the job is done and he's not getting paid by the hour. So the dean walks off, Willard goes back to work and spies on some kids fucking in the bushes. It's just broad daylight too. Yeah, yeah. With two two adult men having conversation like nine feet away from them. This is a very unconventional campus. Yeah. Right, and and this is right after the free love era, I guess. Yeah, it's 1982. Yeah, so I don't know if that was. I think it was still frowned upon in the 80s, right? To just like fuck wherever. Imagine. I mean, it is Spain though. Maybe. But it's it's Boston. But it's Boston. Right. It's Boston. It's Boston via Spain. Right. So now I don't know. If that was like the thing in Boston, just like, yeah, we're fucking everywhere. It's great. Uh, the Reagan 80s. <laughs> right. Was he president at that point? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he was, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't think Reagan was all about the uh, public fornication. I don't think so. Right. I think he would have been very against it. If I'm not mistaken, he was our first president that ha- was divorced. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe. If I'm, if I'm completely wrong, we're going to just edit this entire piece out. Who's going to stop us, Reagan? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there I don't think he's gonna do anything about it. <laughs> if he has anything to say about it, let him speak now. Yeah, or forever hold his peace. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've all been to college. I don't think any of us have ever seen that happening. No. But that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. That's true. Right? I'm yeah. sure it happens. Probably all the not time. at three o'clock in the in the afternoon. Yeah. Hey, some people that's their thrill, man. That's some that's people true. just live for that high. If I could have yeah. done it, I would have done it. <laughs> we don't kink shame on these shows no i don't even know if that's really a kink so much as what, just public like sex is that like this kind of kink? <laughs> <laughs> hey man 
Is Again. it my kink or just my my desperation to get laid? <laughs> I guess some people just have to take it when they can get it. If it's at three in the afternoon, just like if someone's thrown thrown it your way, I'm like, all right, well, it's now or never, really. Yeah. So like a guy like Kendall probably doesn't need to, but a guy yeah. like Goggles, his yeah. fr- his buddy. Oh, the worst. If if that girl in the library was like, yeah, let's go let's go fuck on the quad at three o'clock tomorrow morning uh, tomorrow afternoon, he'd be like, all right. And then they make fun of him. They they hold they set a prank where he yeah. just gets all undressed and everybody makes fun of his small dick. And they douse him with like pig blood. Yeah. It, he reminded me of the friend. Oh, what was the movie with the sentient bike? <laughs> the dirt, the dirt bike, bike kid. kid. The dirt bike kid. He was the, essentially the grown up version. Of, <laughs> what was his name? Chuck. I don't even remember. Oh, he went by some like stupid nickname. Yeah. But he was essentially that kid. Does <laughs> he? He's the same guy at the. Um, he does the stupid jump scare after yeah. Kendall the walks the. Yeah, the, when he try when he tries to fuck the tennis right. bro. Are you gonna have any coffee? Terrible pickup line, by the way. <laughs> That's desperation. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't seem like she wasn't down though. Yeah, she had that look on her face like I know what you're talking about. She sounds. She says tonight. another time. Right. Yeah. And kisses him on the cheek. She's like, oh, not yet, but totally next time we're fucking. When I'm not in fear of my life. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when I find out you're not the killer. They can't really fuck after the events of this movie, but if they if he didn't get his balls squeezed until they popped, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a real thing that happens? I, I don't think so. Right. Is it a dream? Is it just kind of... So this movie has two final jump scares, you know, sort of like mm-hmm. Jason coming out of the water in the original Friday the 13th. It has right. two. It has the body falling out of the the trap door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The and then, uh, that body then, when Kendall goes to pick up his jacket, then later just sticks its arm out, claws his his crotch, <laughs> and then there is popping happening. Yeah, it's yeah. Either, it's a very unfortunate event. It's either his dick or his balls. Something gets popped. Well, so this movie has to be an allegory for like abstinence, right? I think it's just Kendall getting his what for, right? But he's not a bad guy. He's not. Yeah. I really right. don't know. I don't know why Kendall gets the short end of the stick twice at the end of this movie. Right. It's not like he's he's nailing chicks and ditching them. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's he seems he wants to help the campus. He's very polite when he's speaking to women for the most Al- part. Although he does witness a woman get murdered in the elevator and then like an hour later goes and fucks a woman that yeah this is showing like sort of like i would be not in the mood clearly you forget what it's like to be a 19 20 year old kid i guess so (laughs) but it it does show sort of sociopathic tendencies yeah (laughs) Yeah, being able to just let that roll off your back is a little questionable sure but it's a tennis pro (laughs) but that wasn't he wasn't fucking the tennis that's right that wasn't her he was just t- fucking some random girl that was, like, too loud, but she was totally down to getting oh, gagged. Yeah, that girl was annoying. <laughs> Again, like, stop playing, all right? I, like, I know I'm not that good. <laughs> like, I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, and then you see full frontal there. Yeah, male yeah. frontal. What's that? Male, full full male frontal. Yeah, right. In this movie. Yeah, just if we, we didn't mention that. 
If we didn't mention that up front, you see Dick yep. in this movie. I think just the once. Just once, yeah. Just, but yeah, there's there's plenty of nudity. Hardcore nudity. <laughs> is, is, how many times have we seen Dick in the movies that we've watched? Not many. No, you probably yeah. counted on one hand. Yeah. Now, do we have to, in fairness now, because listen, we live in a different time and we want to be fair. Should mm-hmm. we try to balance our boob to dick ratio in terms of movies we watch? I think that would be nearly impossible. Right. I mean, how many movies do that? But yeah, we'd have to watch that Fast Bender movie. <laughs> right. Shame. Yeah. But I'm just Can't saying. Can't stop right? the music has a lot of dicks too. <laughs> we we don't want to be just all about boobs here, right? Because then it's kind of like, oh, well, the typical guys, typical yeah. bros, only re- <laughs> only reviewing movies with boobs. We gotta we gotta even it out for the ladies. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. But for the record, ladies. Don't watch this movie for dick because it's not good. <laughs> it's not a good dick. As far as, you know, what what is seen at that point. Sure. At the library, a sexy blonde passes a note to a nerdy ass dude about wanting to fuck in the school swimming pool. The nerdy dude tosses the note towards the trash, missing it completely, and the unseen figure picks it up. The girl chats with her friends, makes snide comments about Professor Brown, who I guess hears everything, too. <laughs> they... Do not care if he if he hears what they're saying. And then she heads off to the pool. And this unseen figure follows. At the pool, the girl strips down to just her bikini bottoms and then jumps in the pool. And she goes for a swim. As she swims, the figure, covered in a hat and a trench coat, grabs a pool skimmer and push it, puts it around the girl's neck and drags her towards him. <laughs> and then she kind of, like, passes out. I guess she, like, inhales too much water or something like that. So she kind of, like, loses consciousness for a little bit. So he picks her up and pulls her out of the pool. I think that's the first time I've ever seen a pool skimmer used as a weapon. <laughs> a murder weapon, I should say. Yeah. So then he pulls her out of the pool, then grabs a nearby chainsaw, which just so happens to be on the windowsill in the, in the, uh, the pool, and approaches. And then we hear her scream. Back at the library, an even nerdier guy approaches a girl asking for Kendall, who was the other nerdy guy. He then asks the girl out and gets rejected hardcore. <laughs> he finds Kendall and gives him a note that he got from the dean's office a half hour ago. And Kendall is displeased with what the letter says. I don't think we ever find out what the letter says. No, do they read it? No. As far as I can tell, like I went back and I rewatched it just to kind of get it. But okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but no one knows what the letter letter says. Yeah, I'm assuming context clues later in the movie. It probably tells him not to go up to the pool. Right. Yeah. yeah. She probably like cancels on him or something like that. Yeah. Apparently he was finding out that he was fucking some other girl in in the dis- the time between when she gives him the first letter and when she gets killed. Yeah. Can you imagine just being like that kind of guy where you're like, all right, I got a date to bang this one chick, and then on the way to the date, I'm banging yeah. a chick. And he's not even that good looking either. No, I guess he's 80s good looking. <laughs> Is he though? I I don't remember exactly what he looks like. Hold he kinda on. Kind of has me... like he kind of has like a like an afro. Like yeah, look, it's, Afro. we're barely in the 80s, right? So seven, like he's 70s, early 80s, good looking. I'm, I'm just, he's, I'm throwing it out there. I'm making excuses. He's Gutenberg-esque. For him. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I could see. Yeah, he's a little Gutenbergy. Yeah, <laughs> Gutenbergy. <laughs> Gutenbergy. <laughs> we just, we made up a term. <laughs> yeah, I like that word, Gutenbergy. Yeah, that's, yeah, I could see it. I'm, yeah, listen, I mean, he's not a bad looking guy. I'm not going to say he's, you know, he's a 10, but, yeah. you know, listen, again. Maybe it's just these sweatshirts that he's wearing in this picture. They're just not like, flattering. He looks yeah. a little fat at the in the picture <laughs> that I'm looking at right now. 
<laughs> he does look like Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> the more I look at him, the more I see it. He's like a less handsome Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg, get it. <laughs> Can he? His day. All right, as long as it's in his day, it's not now. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's look, what he looks like now. And I'm looking at the tennis instructor, the tennis pro's face. It's a weird face, man. It's like it's a shrunken face. head. <laughs> She's got like a big forehead. Yeah, and just like her forehead takes up the majority of her head, and then everything else is just really squeezed into a tight space. Mm-hmm. What's her name? I don't know her name. I don't. I feel bad. Babe George or something like that. I don't want to make fun of her. She's she's not a bad looking lady yeah she just has a kind of a small face yeah <laughs> and that's not I'm just looking at pictures of steve gutenberg right now. <laughs> <laughs> but i was gonna send a picture to you guys tell me that this guy couldn't get it are you sending us a picture of steve gutenberg <laughs> <laughs> all right hold on all right hold on i'm looking i'm looking there's some pecs man hey listen it's a good it's a tight body <laughs> tight bod <laughs> face isn't that good He's got a little bit of a four-pack going there, like the resemblance of a six-pack. He's almost there. Just enough chest hair to, like, it's not gross, but it lets you know, you know, he he, he lays pipe. <laughs> <laughs> he's oiled, he's tan, but not in the face, right? His face is very, it's it doesn't match the rest of his it's body. It's a boy-next-door kind of face. Sure, sure, yeah. Clean-shaven. He's got take a baby that, face. Take him home to mom. Yeah. And he might fuck your mom, too, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't like the chain. I don't like the chain around the neck right there. It kind of, like, takes away from the... He's religious. That's fine. I'm just saying it kind of takes away from the, the pectoral area. Because now I'm, I'm kind of, like, focusing on that now when I should be focusing on everything else. And he's got a little bit of the, uh, what do they call it, the, the happy trail going on? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, Steve Gutenberg is, he's not bad. He could get it. Glad we took this time to figure out if Steve Gutenberg could get it. We were, well, all, that, that's, we're all in the could get it camp. That's a total uh, reversal of what we usually do <laughs> when we talk about a celebrity. Like, oh my God, this guy's hideous. We, we talk, we're talking about Steve Gutenberg could get it. At the same time, we're talking about a woman that her face is too small. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little suspect. Sure. Two out of ten would not bang face but, too uh, small. But again, listen, we're being fair. It's true. Right? So Title you, nine, baby. Right. I don't want people coming at us like, oh, these guys are sexist. No, we're not. We're talking about how Steve Gutenberg in his, <laughs> in his heyday is fuckable. All right? Yeah. We're not. We're... 100%. We call it as we see it. So... <laughs> is that going to be is that gonna be one of the headlines for this one? Steve Gutenberg can get it. I thought you guys were watching Pieces. <laughs> a, a friend of, of mine at work who has been listening to our episodes. I, we'll probably lose him after this one. Like, Dan, I was with it until you got to the Steve Gutenberg part. I kind of got uncomfortable. <laughs> totally understandable. So Kendall is displeased with what the letter says. So the mysterious guy walks into an office with a bloody sack. He then opens up a walk-in freezer, and we see a head in a ba- bag already in there. Willard then walks out into the pool and turns on the light and sees Kendall there, who then runs out. Willard then sees a bloody chainsaw and then a dismembered body. And the cops then run in and Willard starts beating everyone up, tossing everyone around until the cops eventually pull a gun on him, tell him to freeze, and they arrest him. Later, Professor Brown comes into the crime scene and for some reason Bracken asks the co- the professor to confirm whether or not the murder could have been done with a chainsaw. Which I feel like <laughs> anybody showing up to that crime scene could just be like, well, yeah, for fuck's sakes, that chainsaw's got blood all over it. Right, I think that... 
the uh, the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> this looks like it could have been done with a chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> Who said anything about a chainsaw? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like, well, the chainsaw's right there. <laughs> but he was, like, too that. eager with the chainsaw. Like, this could have been the chainsaw. Like, yeah, okay, sure. Take it uh, easy, pal. So then the professor immediately compromises the crime scene, but says, yes, there's no doubt that this has been done by a chainsaw. So the cops go to see the dean, and Kendall and the other nerdy kid are told that they need to speak with the detectives. At the dean's office, the detectives tell the dean that they believe that it is one of the staff members, and they want two policewomen to pose as a professor to infiltrate the staff. As Kendall and Goggles, as the nerdy kid is called, go to the dean's office, Kendall talks about all the girls that he's mated with, quote-unquote. And Kendall's alibi, apparently, is that he was too busy fucking another girl from his other class, and that's the reason why he didn't kill the girl that died in the pool. That's always, like, the worst alibi, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was too busy smashing to kill yeah. anyone. Like, all right, well, now we're going to follow up on that. And either, A, you were doing it, and it's, like, weird, or, two, you're a total liar. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, so like, that makes you, you a to, loser. So, like, he also just went back to the library, too? Oh, that's a good point. I don't remember. She's like, meet me in the, the pool in an hour. First of all, also, why are you telling him to wait an hour? Like, tell him 10 minutes. She had to get ready. Yeah. <laughs> Then he's just like, all right, well, I got an hour, so I could totally go go to Alicia's and we'll fuck. That's more go back than enough time. <laughs> and then I'll finish up my studying, and then I'll go to the pool. Right, because think about it. That's a jam-packed hour. You get an hour. If you're being smart about it, you finish 10, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. You finish your refractory period. That is true. He is and, thinking He's thinking ahead. Oh, this isn't his first rodeo, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, listen, I got 45 minutes to recover. Perfect. (laughs) The detectives question Kendall and Dina about the note that was left for Kendall at the dean's office and why Kendall went to the pool anyway. Kendall just says he had a bad feeling. At this point, we don't know what the letter said. We cut to an aerobics class after that, which the figure, which the murderer is watching. The song is an absolute banger, by the way. I don't know if you remember it, but go back and watch this movie. And the song that they're dancing to slaps, slaps hard. I don't remember it. I wasn't paying attention to the music in that scene, I think. So one of the students in the class heads out to use the bathroom and the figure follows her. She makes it down to the bathroom and hears a noise, then gets startled by another girl opening the bathroom door and she goes in with her. The figure stops following her. Kendall meets with Bracken and he introduces Kendall to a criminal pathologist and they want Kendall's help to create a profile of the killer. We then meet Mary Riggs, a tennis superstar who also works as a police officer for some reason. <laughs> the getting a profile thing. Do they ever announce what the profile they came out with? Nope. No. And and Kendall looks like something happened in there when he comes out. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> fuck the pathologist too. All kinds of time after that one. Oh, whenever I'm left alone with somebody, that's <laughs> after ten <laughs> minutes, that's what happens. You start yeah. fucking. Yeah, that, that's immediately where his mind goes. Yeah. I have time to do this. <laughs> More than enough time. Mm-hmm. We kind of touched on it, but why they chose to make their essentially lead lady into a tennis pro instead of just like really anything else. Yeah. You could have so just kept her a cop. Her. Yeah. Like she right? could literally been a cop that you know, she's going to be the new history teacher, quote unquote. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, like anything that's essentially where the killer has been striking. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe she is. Like, she does the aerobics class or whatever now. Sure. Or just, yeah, something that makes a little more sense than a yeah, tennis she, pro. Yeah, yeah, she could have been a cop that was the new kindergarten teacher. She could have been anything. 
It's college. Essentially, it could have been literally, like, really literally anything other than a yeah. pro athlete. I, <laughs> but, that... I mean, then we wouldn't have gotten that tennis scene. But you still could have gotten the tennis scene. <laughs> and it would have made more sense why they're so terrible. Right? Because, like, neither of them play tennis. <laughs> or they're just trying to, like, play tennis. It's wild. It's, um, it's a great scene. Don't get me wrong. But... <laughs> so Bracken introduces Kendall and Mary saying that Mary is going to be the police officer that is posing as the new tennis coach. Apparently they don't have enough manpower for two officers to infiltrate the staff. All of those. That's one question I was, I was thinking about like, why'd they even bring that up? Like originally the whole plan was there was going to be two police officers. And then it's like, kidding. Oh, just kidding. It's just one. Is it <laughs> totally forgot a screenwriting standpoint? It's just like, well then why didn't you just make it the first one the, the whole time? Right. It's like, <laughs> shit we couldn't get another woman to, to do this i guess they they ran out of money for the budget yeah and bracken is is apparently putting a lot of faith in kendall a guy that should probably be the prime suspect <laughs> yeah yeah and they just met yeah. like, why are we not like casing this guy yeah he's like i need you to protect mary at all costs so a boston globe reporter comes to the into the police station asking questions about some rumors about murders happening on the campus bracken blows her off and tells her to talk to mary and then we cut to Mary playing tennis with one of her students in one of the worst tennis matches ever captured on film. <laughs> it's great. It's it's laughably bad. It's to me, it's the centerpiece of this movie. You know what? I I agree. There was another scene that I love, but this scene really just encapsulates the the essence. Yeah. Of pieces. Yeah. This is where it's just, it's so ridiculous. Where it's just like, holy shit, this movie. <laughs> this movie is a series of bad choices. Mm-hmm. by the characters by the screenwriter just like kind of overall but this scene really shows you what they were like they didn't know what they were doing essentially at, at for most of it mm-hmm. we don't know where this is going <laughs> we're just gonna put this in there hope it sticks and it doesn't but it's again it's great for some reason after the match they play generic fanfare music over the pa system and the dean approaches mary and has a quick conversation about the case mary mentions that willard is being released due to a lack of evidence boston globe reporter shows up to ask the dean a question and he blows her off too we then see the killer putting together a puzzle piece in an office somewhere and you cut the scene out and you save two minutes (laughs) (laughs) but then you don't get to see the naked lady that's true Back at the dance class, the one girl that had to go to the bathroom is practicing on her own as the killer watches from the doorway. When she stops, she hears someone else in the building, so she gets nervous, gets dressed quickly, and moves to exit the building as fast as possible. She survives, I think. No, she does not. They think she's going to survive, but then they immediately say she's not going to. She gets dressed. I thought she takes the shower and then doesn't get dressed. She only has, like, her underwear on or something. No, this is the girl that winds up in the elevator. Oh, that's okay. Right. Wrong girl. Yeah, so <laughs> she makes it to the elevator and is startled by the killer, but she recognizes him, so it's she's relieved. Then they get on the elevator together, and we see the killer walk on with a chainsaw hidden behind his back and he hit, as she hits the buttons for the elevator to go, and he hits the stop button on the elevator and then slices her arm right off with the chainsaw. Outside, Kendall and a couple of campus police hear her screams, so Kendall jumps into an open window and unlocks the door from inside to let the cops in. They go running to the elevator, and Kendall opens it up to reveal the dismembered body. One of the campus police officers throw up, throws up and then Kendall tells him to call the detectives. Bracken shows up and Kendall tells the detectives that the girl is still alive. But then the, the doctor comes that worked on the girl says it's doubtful she'll survive. So it's just like, all right, whatever. Give that, it up on her. So this was the girl. It was like, oh, well, she's still alive. So when she when she gets better, she'll just tell us who the killer was. 
And then the doctor came out. I was like, nope, she's going to die. Sorry. <laughs> I'm still alive. No, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> they probably could have gotten a name out of it. They could, she could have just been like, Dean. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Dean what? <laughs> what Some guy named Dean. <laughs> could be anybody. Professor Brown shows up from upstairs and Bracken questions him where he just came from. He says he was in the library. Then the Dean shows up out of nowhere, too. Then we get a shot that features basically all the suspects in one place. Kendall, Professor Brown, the Dean, and Willard is there, too, for some reason. No, that's right. (laughs) He just kind of shows up out of nowhere. At night, Kendall is fucking some random girl that likes to scream, so he gets out of bed and we see full frontal male nudity. He looks out the window and he happens to see Mary walking around aimlessly in the middle of the night. She then gets attacked by a guy doing kung fu at her. This is the other scene that I think kind of encapsulates the movie. (laughs) So she pulls out a gun and points it at him and he kicks it away. So then she kicks him in the dick and he falls over. And Mary hears what she thinks is a chainsaw, but it turns out it's Kendall on his motorbike. And it turns out that the guy that attacked her was the kung fu teacher and he was just defending himself. He goes, actually, that's my karate professor karate professor i think they're just called like karate masters or teachers at that point like you don't get senseis yes yeah something like that like you don't have a doctorate in karate (laughs) (laughs) martial arts well you get those gym credits yeah yeah i'm sure it's in you know uh, it's the credits so the football team can stay eligible (laughs) right right now you have a karate professor who is beaten by a tennis pro by getting kicked in the balls yep do you not immediately fire that guy the next day? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, right? I didn't even think about that. Or do you just like, listen, everyone passes. I got kicked in the balls. <laughs> I'm uh, embarrassed. While I had the jump on my victim. So, <laughs> yeah, you guys all just pass. <laughs> so he falls over. Then he says something about bad chop suey, and then he leaves. Mary hops onto the back of Kendall's bike, and they drive off. Meanwhile, the Boston Globe reporter goes snooping around in some campus buildings. She winds up in the fitness center and opens a door to a sauna where the chainsaw is just sitting right there, but she pays it no mind and moves on. She then goes into the training room where there's a water bed and gets locked in by the killer. He pushes her down onto the bed and then stabs her with a knife through the back of the head and out of the mouth. It's kind of a brutal scene. It's a good killing. It's a good kill. Solid kill. Meanwhile, Kendall walks Mary to her apartment. She gives him a kiss on the cheek and then Kendall tries to bang her, but she turns him down. And then Goggles is there for some reason with a mask and makes it fun of Kendall for getting turned down. And then he disappears into the night. Where, where was he? <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just follows Kendall around. The killer heads back to his walk-in freezer and hangs the reporter's body in, in full on a meat hook. Then goes back to putting the puzzle pieces puzzle together. We cut to a girl playing tennis by herself quite poorly once again. Then the fanfare music starts playing randomly over the PA system again. So she gets really mad and storms off and goes to take a shower afterwards. As she goes to get undressed, the killer shows up with a chainsaw, starts chasing her around the locker room. Meanwhile, Kendall and Mary set out to play some tennis. The girl hides in the bathroom, but the killer manages to saw down the door and cuts her into her torso. That's Kendall, a good one. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. There's the completely unnecessary scene of cutting to her showing her peeing her pants yeah. in this yes. scene. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a little too real. <laughs> I mean, I, that I'm is, assuming that's that is a moment happen. where it's just like, oh, all right, you're, it's unnecessary, right. unnecessarily yeah. real. Like, I feel like we get the terror that this girl is in. You don't need to show her wedding herself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Kendall and Mary see Willard come out of the locker room, and they ask him what's going on with the PA system. He says they must be testing it, but it's not his job. So Mary asks Willard how they could turn off the music, and he shows her and realizes someone has switched his keys on him. 
And Kendall wandered off, but comes out of the locker room upset, saying another girl has been killed. Mary goes to see, and we see the girl completely cut in half. Then Mary comes out of the locker room, and Oscar for Mary, as she screams out to the killer, Bastard! Bastard! It's a little much. (laughs) It's like my second favorite scene. Yeah, I think this is, for the listeners out there, just Google it, really. Because we can't do it justice. Just pieces, bastard. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm yeah. assuming that's what'll pop up, and it's yeah. So she screams "bastard" three times, but it's her cadence that really makes it. Right. And she says she gives you one good bastard scream, and then she follows it up with another good one, and then there's a long pause, and you think it's over, but it's not. She's got one bastard left in her. <laughs> it, it, it's just too much of a pause between the yeah. second and third bastard. Like, all right, you kind of lost me there. <laughs> It's like it was written that she just said bastard once, but she was really feeling it that day. Yeah. Yeah, that that might have been take, you know, 20, right? We'll do it one more time or, you know, whatever. We think we got it, but give me another one. That that was, it's a little much. <laughs> Back at the police station, Bracken begs Holden to work faster than he is because they're all out of leads. Do some uppers or, for God's sakes or something. Just get me a lead. So Holden says he needs help, and Bracken says he'll get Kendall to help him, which is still one of the weirdest judgments of character ever. The sergeant goes, isn't he a suspect? (laughs) At least they know that, right? At least he points that out. But then Bracken's like, are you kidding me, man? Of course that guy's not a suspect. He knows the camp is back like the back of his hand. On second thought, (laughs) maybe that makes him the perfect suspect. (laughs) Then the killer is back in his freezer, giving the body his mom's shoes. And on campus, Professor Brown and Mary have a walk and talk. Professor Brown says some cryptic things about the dean, and then he walks off. Then Kendall pops up out of nowhere and tells Mary about his deal with Bracken. And then a surprising wealth of information regarding the dean's whereabouts, saying the dean will be back at around 7, because the first of the month, he's always in Arlington, which is a super weird moment. Right. But yeah, why did that need to be said? <laughs> Dan, did you remember the uh, the goings of your dean when you were in college? Oh, always. He would. He, it was weird because like he would knock on my door. Like, Dan, listen, if you need something, tell me now because I'm gonna be in Albany over the weekend. So, just, you know, just getting it out there, going around, telling everyone. Oh. You, know, you got it, Dean. Well, obviously, Kendall was banging the secretary. That's why he had to know the exact times. <laughs> Probably. Right. Like, me and Mark I... both know where the president of our college is right now. Yep. In jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real thing, guys. <laughs> a little too on the nose we were having fun and then you made it you made it real <laughs> well you know just like spoiler alert i really don't know what my dean is doing i know i fooled you yeah <laughs> he's we in jail you got, yeah you guys were like but anthony was really happy about that <laughs> he's in jail yay fuck him you know what i wonder i think my dean also got in trouble for some money stuff. I'm not 100% sure that's on adorable. that, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clearly that's... I'm not, a little embezzlement. Ooh, isn't that cute? Right, I, yeah, I'm not, it's not a dick measuring contest with, with this one. <laughs> because you're, you're dean. Ooh, boy. But, listen, still a crime. Listen, you know, not trying to win here. And whose dean was the worst? I gotta double check, because now I'm curious. Kendall meets up with Holden, and they start combing through records. Mary arrives at the dean's place. He sits her down and goes into the kitchen to fix her some coffee. He fixes her some coffee and puts a few drops from an unmarked bottle into her coffee. Also, he's making instant, so like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Spring for the good stuff, dude. Like Folgers crystals? <laughs> <laughs> at first I thought I was kind of like in and out at this point. 
but I thought when he was making the instant coffee, it looked like he was kind of embarrassed to be using it. <laughs> like, I got to hurry up before someone notices I'm using this. Mary says that she wants to talk to him about Professor Brown. Says anything that he could provide will help the investigation. So then he manically goes to fix her more coffee with the same, some of that liquid that he puts into her first coffee. She says that if they don't find any info soon, that they'll need to get a warrant to search the entire campus. Back at the police station, Kendall finds some info on the dean, specifically that he changed his name. So Holden calls the local police station to find out more and finds out that the dean's mother was chopped up when he was a little boy. And he assumes that if it, it's the dean because of that. Back at the Dean's, he tells Mary that Professor Brown is a homosexual. Brown once tried to kill him. Then Mary starts feeling the effects of the drug that he put in her drink and becomes paralyzed. The info on the Dean makes it to Bracken, and he heads out to the Dean's office. As the Dean prepares his house to dismember Mary, the cops and Kendall make it to his place. The cops enter the apartment for some reason with Kendall with them, and they find Mary paralyzed on the couch but no sign of the Dean. Cops go down to radio for an ambulance and leave Kendall all alone with Mary, who is trying to motion over the drapes when where the dean is hiding. So they just leave an innocent bystander, Kendall. It's like, just wait here. Hopefully the the killer isn't here. And I do just... love Kendall in, in that at least three times they tell him to stay behind and he keeps trying to be the first one in. Yeah. And that older cop just constantly throws him into <laughs> a wall. He throws him against something. the wall. <laughs> He's kind of annoying, so. Yeah. Mary is trying to motion over the drapes, but she can't move. So she's trying to use her eyes and Kendall's trying to get her to walk around. Uh, the Dean jumps out with a knife and attacks Kendall, who drops Mary to the floor. They fight over, over the knife for a while, but until Bracken walks in and shoots the Dean right between the eyes. Cops put Mary on the on the couch and they say she'll be fine. Holden commends Kendall for a job well done, puts his hand on a bookcase, which swivels and a dead body falls out of a secret door on top of Kendall, who screams in terror. Later, an ambulance takes Mary to the hospital and the coroner takes away the Dean's body. Bracken comes and collects Kendall, who was starting to feel better after his initial shock. They go to leave, but Kendall stops to grab his jacket near the dead body. As he does, the dead body grabs up and scratches into Kendall's crotch and definitely squeezes his dick until it pops. Freeze frame ending on Kendall's agony. And that's the end of Pieces. It is a wild, wild movie. Solid freeze frame ending, too. Mm-hmm. Just on on the crotch shot. Bang! <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, this movie is something, man. I think this movie would definitely appeal to the, like, a cult following horror fan. Mm-hmm. Right? Someone who's looking for something that is not very scary, but has has some good gore in it, and just full of unintentional funny moments if you like those kind of movies where it's really more just like it's a b movie through and yeah. through oh yeah uh, yeah if, if that's more your style i think you would enjoy this movie but if you're looking for a more traditional scary horror movie or just a traditional slasher movie it's not really going to be that way for you but overall it's definitely a hit or miss movie sure mark what about you what are you thinking yeah, so like I said before, I think I had a lot more fun doing this podcast than I did actually watching this movie. But that's just how it goes with some of these unearthed gems that, that Ant finds. I think I would have, back in the day, had more fun seeing this in a theater. It's got great moments. They do exactly what needs to be done for this type of horror film, where it just can't be enough. And then they use the gore and violence to kind of set the the scare, terror, whatever word you want to use for it throughout the movie. I like that there's not a whole lot of jump scares. Like you said, I think there's only two and the two at the end for no reason. 
Overall, I think if you're into these lower budget cult classics, this should definitely be on your list. Okay, yeah. I mean, I love this movie. That's the reason why I picked it. So <laughs> I really don't have much more to say about that. It's it's wild. The the kills are excellent. Plenty of gore, plenty of boobs. If you're into like the kind of the sleazier parts of horror and what makes it a horror movie, this is definitely one that delivers on everything. It's not too scary. It's really not scary at all. It's just it's it's fun. It's a very it's got a very fun spirit to it. It's it's kind of crazy, but uh, I enjoy it a great deal. Would you guys say you had anything that would make it better? I think for a movie like this, it's really not in what makes it better. You don't really do anything to a B movie to try to make it better. It's it is what it is. It wasn't going for perfection. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was just going for. Not maybe not how gory can we make it, but just like how campy can we do this? There's a ton you could do to make it better, but not for this reason. You know what I mean? What about yeah. you, Mark? Yeah, essentially the same thing as Dan. There's anything you would make this better would take it out and probably make it a worse movie, if if you know what I'm saying. Trying to make this more of a serious horror film or a slasher film in the traditional sense would actually make this movie worse than it is. I think the only thing would be at worst you have a little better explanation for the or a different job for the pro tennis player slash cop that might make a little more sense than that but you don't even have to do that but that would probably be the only aspect in the movie i would change okay yeah i really wouldn't change much i enjoy this movie a great deal i don't really have anything much more to say you guys are ready to plug your shit yeah absolutely uh, at the aquino 122 is my twitter you can also follow our Real Play D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. Come say hello. We'll talk about whatever you'd like. Yeah, that's it for me. Our other podcast, we have our D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, airs every Wednesday. So by the time you hear this, we'll probably be finishing up our sessions before we get into our special October episodes. Be on the lookout for that if you want to continue your spooky season. So just search Stranger Damies. You can follow it on Instagram and Twitter at Stranger Damies as well. Then we have our Game Vault Pod, which is our gaming podcast. You can search the Game Vault Podcast anywhere you get your podcast. And then you can Instagram, Twitter at Game Vault Pod. We also have a Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Game Vault Pod, where we stream about three to four nights a week. We do horror, RPGs, retro, first-person shooters, just a whole grab bag of stuff. You'll find something there that you like and then also we have our extra life coming up uh, where we raise money for the children's hospital of philadelphia 24-hour gaming marathon on um, saturday november 7th we'll be starting at 9 a.m eastern standard time so be sure to check us out there the tiny url on the page should all be up uh, by the time you hear this episode hopefully i mean i don't get derailed again like i did the week before you can donate anytime from the moment the page is up, so just keep an eye on the uh, on all of our Twitter accounts until the end of the year. But you do not need to do it on the day of, but that's when you'll you'll get a shout out and you'll push us towards our goals that we'll have set for that day um, in terms of special rewards and things. Any amount of money would help, doesn't matter how little, how much. And then also you can just support us by you know signal boosting or being in the chat for the stream. So. Once again, November 7th, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'll start out with a session of Stranger Damies. Great. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us at theycalledthismovie.podbean.com and on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Called This Movie. 
We're the mainnaming.com and you can find all things we do there at the mainnaming.com and on all socials at the mainnaming. So this month we're doing 31 days of horror. That includes our podcast as well as 31 horror reviews written on the, on the site. So check that out. And we've done it for the past seven years or so. I think we've been doing it. It's our favorite time of the year. So we're always so much content that we do for Halloween, but that's the mainnaming.com on all socials. Just start by searching the main Damie. If you have any suggestions on movies that we should be watching, just hit us up in an email, themainnamey at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We did get one person reach out to us, give us a a movie to watch uh, recently. So that's great. And just keep them coming. We'll get to all of them eventually. And uh, we are part of Geek Fives Nation now. You can find them at gbnation.com on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by searching Geek Fives Nation. Bunch of great shows. We're there. Gutting the Sacred Cow, Scene and Nerd, Top Ten with Tia, everything's there. Bunch of great shows. If you if you're into geek stuff, there's probably something there for you. And that's gonna wrap us up this week. This was Pieces, directed by Juan Piquer Simone. So for Dana Quino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Davecchio telling Juan Piquer Simone, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.